1: Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air.
2: Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, our financial and retirement expert in studio, ready to take your phone calls and chipper as ever here is Mr. Rosenthal good morning sir good morning Chris and how are you today so far so good Um, I'm a little concerned about our folks down in Florida Uh, hearts go out to them with uh, the more weather problems we've been having and the
0: destruction just doesn't uh, doesn't seem to go away so our hearts and prayers are with those folks this morning without a doubt without a doubt you know definitely a lot of prayers a lot of help a lot of support coming down there you know um, just just the, the the pictures are just just bad um, you know, so I did you have, have anything, a chance last week to see we some can. of that myself yep. firsthand. I you were down there. Yeah. And uh, just to, my
2: heart goes out to those folks. They've, you know, a lot of them have lost everything, but they're, you know, they're still they're a resilient uh, bunch of folks and it's good to see them bouncing back and with good attitudes and, and just, you know, c- continuing on with trust in the Lord. So we're, we're just pleased that we were able to help them a little bit, but by the same token, I'm just pleased that they're
0: optimistic about the future. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll be sending down lots of help and, and, uh, you know, that's, hopefully we can all, you know, help and and dig out of it and you know just keep praying and 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 help the way we can with with it down there so definitely so hey you know we always start the show off well good morning everyone welcome to making money sense larry rosenthal show like to welcome our listeners our longtime listeners again at wava here in the nation's capital as well as our new listeners across the country on sirius xm family talk 131 we're glad to be part of that family as well Going across the country now, and he's like you say, Chris, uh, border to border and coast to coast, right? So <laughs> lots to of fun be there.
2: Shining sea,
0: absolutely. So for you new li- for the new listeners on on Sirius XM, this is a live uh, financial planning talk show, biblically based. Feel free to give us a ring. Anytime during the show at 855-ROSE-123, that's 855-767 with any of your investment questions, financial planning questions, taxes, mortgages, estate planning, insurance, mutual funds, stock markets. Whatever is on your mind today, what's tugging at you today about the markets today? Give us a ring, 855-767-3123. I always start the show off, Chris, with what happened in the markets and the economy. You know, what did happen this last week? My goodness. Well, I'm going to break that down very simply for us in, in a moment, and, and I will address that question, and then I'm going to ask a couple of the key questions. You know, Where are we now, and what does this mean for your investment portfolio? So we'll just dive into it real quick, first of all. Last year in 2017, the S&P 500 did did 19 percent return. Mm. Okay, well, what have you done for me lately? Right, <laughs> yeah. year to date, the S&P is up three and a half. So if you take a look at the last two years, if you know 2017 through right now, you've got some pretty good returns, don't we? We do. No doubt about that, right? The Dow is up 2.51 for the year. The NASDAQ, the tech stocks are up 8.6 for the year. This is through yesterday's close Friday. The P.E. forward-looking ratio is 17.08, not too expensive. The problem, though, is that we have the 10-year bond is at 3.162%. So what does all this mean? How does this work? What does this play out with? And then next week, we're going to get a dose of economic data that's coming out. You know, on, on Monday, we're going to have the Michigan survey, which is going to talk about consumer sentiment. And that's been off the charts over, over the last year or so. We've got our first view on, on retail sales, industrial production, and capital uh, capacity utilization. In other words, on October 16th, we're going to take a look at how much capacity are all of our factories putting out. And a number of seventy eight or more means you know it's really it 's really chugging along, and, and that looks to be uh, right, at, right in line with everything we 're also going to get another dose of economic data on housing starts and existing home sales. so lots of economic data is going to be coming out next week. In addition to corporate earnings, mm. so so let's break this down and talk about where are we right now in this in this in the uh, scheme of business cycles because that's what everybody needs to really understand is where are we in the in the scheme of business cycles and what does this mean going forward so so let's pretend that the business cycle is is ten miles long okay just just so that that people can sort of v- envision this in their mind's eye. Let's pretend that the road of the business cycle is ten miles long. And and the business part of the business cycle that I'm talking about is the growth, is the expansion part of the cycle. It's ten miles long. The question is where are we? Are we four miles into it? Are we seven and a half miles into it? Are we nine miles into mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Well, for the last fifteen, eighteen months, that question has been foggy. Nobody really knows where we are in the cycle because things haven't really Raise their heads up to, sh- to show us where we are in the cycle. Well, We've been waiting for wages to rise. We've been waiting for inflation to come on. We've been waiting for interest rates to go up. We've been waiting for a handful of things that can pinpoint where we are in this cycle. So, if this part of this, if this stage of the cycle is 10 miles long, we are now starting to get some concrete data that basically shows hey, you know what? We're about seven and a half miles into this 10 mile length of a journey. Now, that's up for debate, too, but I just want to give you an idea that with the data we're starting to see now, we're able to sort of quantify and say, hey, this is the stage we're in in this business cycle now. We have moved into a new stage of this business cycle, which is great. Now, some people are going to be calling it the the end stage of the cycle. Some people are going to be saying, no, this has still got a lot of life into it for another two or three years. Be, be, before we start to see economic slowdowns and things like that, so here's where we are from the standpoint of, of, of the economic data that's coming out right now. We're starting to see interest rates go up. <clears throat> well, everybody who's putting their money in the bank wants interest rates to go up, correct? Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Yeah. well, when interest rates start to rise like that, that that means that inflation's coming into the system. Why are we having inflation into this system? So I was talking to a client of mine earlier this week. He's actually a home builder. He builds custom homes. He's very, very busy. Mm-hmm. But he says to me, he says, we're getting delays from time to time because we don't have people that can deliver the products. There are, there are truck drivers that, that can't deliver the products. And I said, why? And he says, because they're going to different companies, because they're getting signing bonuses to change jobs. So in other words, the amount of workers out there at full employment creates wage rises or, or, or wage increases. So think about this. If your pool of employees or if your pool of, of people are, that are looking for a job isn't many, you have to pay more people to keep them as well as to attract them, correct? Because unemployment is low. Because unemployment is low. So that forces wages up, and when wages go up, Guess what else happens? People spend more money, mm-hmm. and it drives prices up. Then you put on top of this – now, that's just an economic fact. Then you put on top of this that we're having some fiscal issues with trade talks, mm-hmm. which is basically a tax, which is basically a, a tariff talk, about, and that, that is an inflationary move. So we're talking about trade balances, and that, that – that by itself can start moving prices up, which is inflationary pressure. So the Federal Reserve has two mandates, maximum, or they have many, but two of their main ones are maximum employment and price stability. So one of the best ways to control prices from not having outrageous amounts of inflation is to slowly raise interest rates. And consensus right now is that we're probably going to get another rate hike in December and then probably three of them next year. But we're already starting to hear talk about in 2020, the Fed may have to start pulling back and lowering interest rates at that particular point. So that kind of gives us an idea of we still see acceleration happening for the rest of 2018 through 2019, and then forecasts get a little bit foggy. So with that being said... It looks like the markets are going to continue to expand. I'm sorry. The economy is going to be continuing to expand, and the markets will probably react going up. Now, what caused all this volatility this past week is your big question, right? So I wanted to say all that to get this out because I I don't want to dive too deep into the economics of stuff. But, you know, sometimes we have to a little bit. At the end of the day here, what we're really looking at is the stock market is going to have to get comfortable with a new interest rate environment and, and looking at the 10-year Treasury bond. You know, The government sells bonds 30 years in length, 10 years in length, seven years in length, five years in length, and all the way down. The 10-year Treasury bond is tied to a lot of consumer and business um, uh, loans. Mortgages are tied to the 10-year, mm-hmm. car loans, student loans, credit cards, personal loans. You know, uh, get getting capital funding for corporations and things like that. It's all tied around and wrapped around the 10-year note. So as the 10-year note starts to push up, interest rates get higher and it slows down the velocity of money in the economy. So so when you look at the history of the 10-year bond, right now it is at, on Friday, it closed at 3.162%. It doesn't really hurt the economy until it gets close to 5 well, that's only two points away. No, no. When the, the, that's a long way to go for the 10-year note to get up there. So the fear is that the 10-year note is going to escalate very, very quickly. I don't really see that happening, but if it does, we need to be ready for it. But it's going to slow
2: down home buying, too, a little bit, isn't it? Because the interest rates will pop and people may not be able to buy the home they could have.
0: Correct. It's going to slow down home buying a little bit, but it might, it, might not, it might not slow it down so much. It might just... Um. Well. Well. Instead of getting a three-car garage, Chris, I think people are going to get a two-car garage. Is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> gotcha. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so. So. Here's. Here's. That. That's where we are right now in the stage of things. Is that the market just needs to digest that the ten-year bond is above three percent now, and it hasn't been there since the financial crisis. But it being above three percent by no means is really going to show, slow down the economy, not till it gets north of five. Well, so I have a quick it's, question it's for okay. you. It's okay. It's just a new – uh, j- j- just a second here. It's, yeah. just a, it's just a new stage of the market cycle that we're actually in right now. So the question becomes, what's next? What, what was your question? Well, the question was, when I'm thinking about banks now, because you talk about
2: CDs and other investments, is not necessarily being such a good thing when interest rates start to come up. Does that mean we need to – I'm sorry, the, other, the exact opposite of that. When they start to come up, those investments start looking a little more attractive. Is that kind of the case? We should be looking at some of those other investments that are like a, you know, a CD or even – Well, the CDs are, are
0: not a good investment when interest rates are rising. Okay. Because you will, you will go – now, think about this. There's banks out there advertising right now, hey, come get a CD at 3.5%, right? Yeah. Well, that's a very high rate. But you have to lock the money up for a handful of years, four or five years. So you're better off taking that tranche of money that you want and put it in a different bucket. It's maybe a CD that renews itself every six months so that you always have money coming oh, due that sure. you're getting the higher interest rate as interest rates move up. You know, they're, they're forecasting four rates over the next 12 months, three next year and one before the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So why not, why not get that Capsular. scenario right there? Exactly. So. Yeah. When you want to lock into a CD is when interest rates start to come down. That's when you want to lock into a long-term CD, because then you'll be ahead. Um, so, So the question begs now, so what's next? What's next? What are we looking at? A dose of corporate earnings are coming out in October and in November. And the markets are trading on three things this year so far. Corporate earnings, tariff concerns, and interest rate fears and if we have a good session here of corporate earnings over in in october and november which by the way estimates are to report up 21.3% earnings per share uh which which is a huge double digit earnings the mm-hmm. the economy and the markets are very very strong and still expanding this is just a pullback we've had we've had nine other pullbacks this year this year alone that have been you know 3 to 5% or so And come back to surpass that. It's a normal thing. That's correct. It's a normal thing. Matter of fact, on average, every year, the market has 62 days where it has a one percent movement or greater on average, and the problem that we have with understanding what's going on now with, with people getting all worried about it is simply that we haven't had that type of volatility for the last year and a half, basically.
2: Again, it's a capture opportunity, right? It's a time to invest when the markets pull back a little bit. It's, things are on sale.
0: Correct, and it def- definitely things are on sale. So so how does this affect you? How does this affect your investments? We're going to talk about that after the break. Um, We've we got a lot lined up here today. We're going to talk about how to assess your risk. We're going to talk about some efficiencies. We're going to talk about are we out of the woods yet or not. But my point is, and we're also going to talk about seven famous quotes on what to do in times – when the markets are getting a little jittery a little bit. So, hey, if you've got questions on it all, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense, and I'm Larry Rosenthal, we'll be back in a moment. You are
1: listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Here is Dr. Gary Jones, CEO of Youth
2: for Tomorrow. You know, we started a girls program and. In- 2003 and you think you've seen it all and you've heard it all until our children walk on campus and they will steal your heart in a moment they'll steal your heart because they come with nothing but hope it's all they come with the FBI calls and says you know we we arrested a sex trafficker last night but we still have the sex traffic victim we know you're the only facility in virginia that'll take a girl like this do you have room for one more and we say yes if you would like to help go to youthfortomorrow.org a place like you for tomorrow is an oasis and the Difficult world that we live in today for these kids. Joe Gibbs founded Youth for Tomorrow because he wanted to give back. If that's how you feel and you would like to help, go to youthfortomorrow.org. That's youthfortomorrow.org. Now, nationwide and coast to coast
3: from sea to shining sea, call now 855 767 3123. That's 855 Rose 123. Live from the nation's capital,
2: this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. We appreciate you listening again, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to
0: talk to Larry Rosenthal. Sure, Chris. Let's welcome Bob on the line from Woodbridge. Going, Bob. How are you today?
2: I'm just fine, Larry. Thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir?
2: Could you elaborate upon the different types of stock funds? For example, you hear on the news, it says the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is up or down, and another one is up and down. Can you explain those three funds? Stock.
0: Sure. You mean the, th- the three main indices, the NASDAQ, yes. the S&P, and the Dow?
2: That's correct.
0: Sure, absolutely. So the NASDAQ is is um, just your your basic tech stocks. It's, it's where a lot of technology stocks are located, um, Micron, Google, Apple, things like that. Then the S&P 500... Comprise your 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 largest 500 stock or your largest 500 companies by market cap weighting, so you could have a a, a uh, stock that's in the Nasdaq and the S and P 500 because it's a tech company, but it's one of the largest 500 ones. Okay. And then the Dow is only 30 stocks, and those are the Dow Jones Industrial Averages from all the different uh, industries out there. So you're going to have some financial stocks there. You're going to have some uh, technology stocks there, some brick-and-mortar type stocks there. So those are the the indices that you're looking at. And it's very interesting, Bob, when when you sit down and look at the different investments that you may have. You may see, for example, the S&P going up one day and and some of your stocks actually could be going down or vice versa because when you when you own like small company stocks they're not involved in any of those so if you have a small company stock mutual fund then you need to look at the Russell 1000 index so that's basically the the way it all breaks out here's the question though that 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 uh, comes up when we're talking about the different indices like this and the question is which one of these gives us the best indication of the overall market? Is it the Dow, which is the oldest and most prestigious? Is it the S&P 500, or is it the NASDAQ? It's actually the S&P 500 because that has 500 different stocks in it, whereas the Dow only has 30 stocks in it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so so these are just measurements to see how these uh, different baskets of stocks are, are actually performing – the trick here is to take a look at your investments. Let's suppose your, your 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 let's suppose your IRA, as an example, has has fifteen different mutual funds and ETFs and stocks all baked into it somehow. Um, how is it comparing against the different indices, the Dow, the S and P, the 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 Nasdaq, the the Russell one thousand, so forth and so on? You can look to see how it's comparing against it. But then, if you really want to see how your investments are performing in on, on an apple to apple comparison, take a look at what what benchmark your portfolios most closely represent, and you can do this with the Morningstar tool. So I'm getting down the weeds here, but if you take a look at, let's suppose you have ten different investments inside your portfolio, okay. Okay. And you can type them in, and you can hit this, this little thing that says custom benchmark. So suppose you have 20% in financials, and you have 20% in this, and 20% in that, and blah, 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 and so forth and so on. It'll build you a custom benchmark, and then you can see how, it's, how it relates to the custom benchmarks that are out there. In other words, it doesn't do you any good if if you're... Investments are main eighty percent of them's in small company stocks, and you're comparing against the S&P 500 against the 500 largest companies. That doesn't do you any good at all. So you want to compare against what your benchmark is is relative to. That way you can really tell if the investments you have are 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 doing. Better or worse than the overall market, and you can also assess the risk level that you're actually taking inside your basket of investments versus the market benchmark that you're comparing it against. It's very important to do that. So, if you wanted some information on that, I could, I can, I'll be happy to send it out to you um, on how to build a custom benchmark to assess your risk, well, versus your return on your investments versus the the overall market that you're comparing it against. So I'll, I'll put you on hold, Bob, and we'll get your email, and we'll, we'll shoot you out an email with, with that information. Appreciate the f- question. Yes, sir. Question. Um, mm-hmm.
2: I own some stock, and uh, my stock is always listed on the New York Stock Exchange. So being that, that means that it doesn't qualify to be in one of these three that you just mentioned, correct?
0: It could very well be. It right, could very it, well it, be. It, it,
2: because I never can find it on one of them but I, it's always listed on the New York Stock Exchange.
0: Okay, so that's just the exchange, okay? So so that's where that's where it's bought and sold. That's the Correct. exchange on where people are are buying it and selling it all the time. So it may not be in those different industries that that I just mentioned. It could be in the Wilshire 5000. It could be in 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 the Reed Index. I don't know what stock it is. If you tell me what stock it is, I could probably figure out what index it's in. But that's just it's where been, it's ex- exchanged. That's it's all.
2: Dominion, Dominion uh, Energy.
0: Electric so, that, so that's a utility. So it's in the utility yeah. index. That's where it is. Okay. Okay?
2: Yes. Okay, Larry, thank you very much.
0: Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. you listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Tim on the line from New Jersey. Good morning, Tim. How are you?
3: Just okay. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir?
3: Uh, my fiancé and I are residing together and renting. And just um, more a question about um, the housing situation and kind of how to piece together, in my mind, and then be able to impart to my fiancé, we're doing okay renting. We don't need to jump into buying or even a mortgage at this point. So, looking at our, our combined income, I don't, I don't see us buying or, or, or being keeping up with the Joneses and getting a mortgage anywhere in the next couple of years, even.
0: Okay, so I, I'm you were breaking up a little bit, Tim. What's your question?
3: My question is: Am I playing the bad guy by saying no? We we're not we're not ready for that to take that next leap into
2: home ownership.
0: Have you ever owned a home before, Tim? I have not. That could be part of it right there. Um, I remember when I first bought a home, I was scared. I was like, what's going to happen? So so at the end of the day here, you just need to really sit down and look at the math. You know, what is the cost of home ownership versus the cost of renting? That's what you need to look at. and then And then start asking yourself some intangible questions about it as well. How long are you going to stay in the same area right now? You know, if you plan, if your jobs are stable and you plan on staying in the same area for the next several years, that that might be a a little slash towards maybe buying a home. Then you take a look at, you know, a, a, a downside to buying a home, which is people say, okay, I've got enough for the down payment, but then you move in and all of a sudden now we want to get curtains, we need new carpeting. Um, all of a sudden we want to do this and we want to do that. and we It need f- a lot of work. It, it, it could need a lot of work, or it could need that we need to start filling up rooms with furniture. So so that's a conversation you and your fiancé need to have as to do we have enough money saved in the bank that we can just shift our rent payment from renting over to homeowners And make a mortgage payment, taxes, insurance, and interest, right, principal and interest as well, but still have enough money left up in the bank for reserves just in case something were to happen Uh, because there is a little extra incidental cost with curtains and stuff like that. So so just outline all of that, but I'm a big fan of of home ownership, but – how long are you going to be in the area? What's the stability of your job? What are the other debts that you carry? And, you know, just really sit down and talk about that. I don't think it's a bad guy, good guy thing. I think it's just a matter of understanding where you are now versus where where your financial situation would be short and long term on uh, purchasing the home. We have some information on sort of do's and don'ts of purchasing a home versus renting. If you want, I'll will we'll be I'll have our office email it out to you sometime next week if you'd like.
2: Okay. That'd be wonderful, Larry.
0: Okay. Let me put you on hold, and uh, Josh will get your email information. We'll be happy to send that out, Tim. Good luck. Appreciate the phone call. You're and And another thing, too, is interest rates are probably going to be going up over the next year, year and a half or so. So if you're thinking about doing it in a couple of years, you just may be backing yourself into looking to pay a higher interest rate as well. So Got it. so so that's some consideration also. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose One Two Three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Back in a moment with more. Making money sense.
1: You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
0: Here's a quick tip for you. Remember, it's time in the market not necessarily timing stay away from lots of buy sell transactions find quality buy it and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change it's time in the market not necessarily timing if you'd like more information on proper investing then go visit my website at LarryRosenthal.com or simply give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. That's 855-767-3123. you ever wanted
3: to be part of something big?
2: Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want
3: to be a part of something that changes a child's life?
2: Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise.
3: Now you can be part of something that brings hope.
2: What we do is we actually... For the school fees.
3: For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year.
2: We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing.
3: Call now 703 201 2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org.
2: For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school.
3: 703 201 2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703 201 2494. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855 767 3123. That's 855 Rose 123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening today. You can call right now at 855-767-3123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert right here in studio, taking your calls, Larry.
0: So Chris, we're getting back to how is this market affecting you? What do your investments need to look like? One of the callers earlier today, Bob at the, at uh, one of the first callers this morning was talking about the different indices and we sort of broke it down into being able to assess your risk. So let's go over risk. Let's talk about this. You know, What should your investments look like today? Well, guess what? They should probably look the same as they did two or three weeks ago before we started having some market volatility because we need to be ready for this change. Just simply, you know, it's just simply where we are in the business cycle, and it's a good thing to understand where we are. And that's why I broke it down at the beginning of the show this morning. But I want to talk about a measurement of risk. The measurement of risk in, in, in the industry, you know, Wall Street has its own language, let me just tell you. <laughs> and, and they call risk something either standard deviation or they call it beta. So let's just talk about beta real quick. It, it just, it's just a very quick way to measure systematic risk against the market. So what do I mean by this? Let's take the S&P 500 as an example. It has a risk level of 1.00. Pretty simple. The number one. So when you look at the different risk levels that you have in your investment portfolio, let's suppose you have 10 different positions. You have a couple of stocks, ETFs, and a few mutual funds, and you've got 20% in one, 5% in another, 7% in another, so forth and so on. And then you add it all up, and you take a look at the risk scenario, and it has a risk number of 0.85. Well, we already know that the market has a risk level of one00 and now you have a risk level of 0.85. That tells me that you're fifteen percent less risky than the market. Now this this is where where do I find this? Is this in the prospectus? Is this across all of your? Not in the prospectus anywhere. It's it, you can you can find it at at, at in Morningstar. You can okay. put it in. You can put it into Zefra. You, in, you plug it in. Plug it in. Just you different can softwares that that we use yeah, okay. that will that will show it to you exactly what it is. Uh, if you have a risk level a beta of one point two, then that means you're twenty percent more risky. So so the question becomes, is it right or wrong? And the answer is yes. It depends on what the investor's objective is, right? Mm-hmm. So understanding what you own is is vitally important, uh, especially in, in in times like this, which which leads me to taking a look at at seven classic investing quotes today. I I thought this would be w- would be neat because. Uh, uh, again, you need to understand what what you own. There, there's no doubt about it, and and um, uh, so so. Well, let's just go through this here. So, Peter Lynch, uh, one of the best investment managers that that you know ever hit the hit the planet back in the '80s. You don't have any Bernie Madoff quotes in there, I hope. No Madoff quotes. Good. no, not at all. You know, know what you own and why you own it. I've said that for years. Yep. Understand. What you own, find quality, buy it, and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change. Right? Mm-hmm. That that it, it's time in the market, not timing in the market. The individual investor should act consistently as an investor and not as a speculator. Why are we making an investment? What is it? What is it going to do? One of the interesting things when I when I sit down with new clients and I talk to them about investment philosophies and I get to understand what, what it is that they want to try to accomplish and, and things like that is, is, you know, why are you making this investment and what are the risks of this investment? In other words, what has to go wrong in the economy in order for, uh, for this investment not to do well? What has to go wrong in the economy for the investment not to do well is a big, big question that a lot of people have a have a tough time understanding. And that goes to understand what you own, know what you own. It's it's important to really understand that. There there's no doubt about it, especially in days like this, uh when, when the market's getting a little rocky. You know, we did bounce off the, the uh uh the lows on uh Friday, the market closed up higher. Which was good news, so we 'll see how the, how next week plays out with it all. Just make you a little nervous when that stuff starts to happen it does it's it 's interesting and and when you you have your portfolios designed for days like this and and periods like this they 're okay, but when they 're not you know when when the, when the <laughs> when the tide goes out, you can see everybody 's you know, see 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 if everybody's wearing socks or not. Right? You got your roll aids and your tums next door. You got to take so, a few of those. Yep, yeah. yep. So so understand how how the risk level is inside your portfolio. Hey, if you want to if you want to get a quick check on that, you can go to my website LarryRosenthal.com, dot com and request our financial planning toolkit. And we'll be happy to send it out to you. That is going to cover – that's going to get you down the road to understanding your risk. Basically, we we have sent out thousands of these over the years all across the country. Again, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Just shoot us off an email requesting the Financial Planning Toolkit or give us a ring at 855-767-3123. We'll be happy to send you out the toolkit. Essentially, the Financial Planning Toolkit is going to draw a line in the sand – and it's going to address the question, hey, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road? And then take a look at how to fix some of those issues and get you down the road to, to building a nice financial plan for you and your family. Uh, in, in addition to that, we have radio topics on, our radio sh- on, on the website. Just go to the website again, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on the, r- the radio tab, and we've got our topics there. If you wanted to listen to a couple of you know shows, there, there are podcasts, there just hit the big button that says "Prior Shows." Information's downloadable if you if you'd like as well. But today, one of the things that we wanted to highlight was talking about probate and the do's and don'ts in 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 probate. You know what what is probate? What happens to probate? Again, you can download. Uh, this, this information there as well. We also have a basics and estate planning kit we'd be happy to send out to people. And, and for our new listeners on SiriusXM Channel 131, Family Talk, you know, the, one of the main objectives of this of this show is is to, to deliver financial education to people uh, all across the, the nation. Proper use of financial planning, how to make your investments work, your estate planning, insurance needs, all types of things. We have offices in, in, in Iowa as well as in, in Maryland, just outside out of Baltimore and uh, throughout Virginia as well. So happy to to assist and, and get you any information as um, that you need. So, breaking down the basics of, of probate. Probate is basically the court's distribution process to pass an asset on. In other words, if if you have an asset, whether it's a real asset like a house or a car, or or intangible assets such as investments, four uh, hundred one ks, bank accounts, things of that nature. How is that asset going to pass on when you know you're in heaven and you no more no longer need it right and it, and it passes on by through through ownership of title in other words if it's joint jointly owned then the, then the, the survivor will receive it if it's uh, just individually owned and there's no beneficiary attached to it where does the the asset go how does it break down where does it go and 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 who gets it who gets all of it who you know, do you have to chop it up and divide it out? So the probate process is just basically the court's distribution system to transfer an asset when there's no legal means to do so. Yeah, that's something title. you don't
2: want to avoid if you
0: can, right? Exactly. You want to try to avoid probate. And so so think about this, Chris. Let's suppose you have a bank account, and you tell me, Larry, you know, if if I go to heaven tomorrow, I want you to have my bank account. And I go, great, Chris. Thanks a lot.
2: I don't have a bank account. I bury my money in the backyard and jars. There
0: you go, right? and 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 then something happens and then all of a sudden i go well he told me i was going to get the bank account and <laughs> your son shows up and says no i'm going to get it and but you didn't make any means for where that money should actually go so you would have to change the title of that bank account to being joint with you and i or it would say you know chris uh tod transfer on death and then name me as beneficiary so in other words when things don't have a named beneficiary or pass through joint ownership or 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 pass through a trust or anything like that it's going to go through probate and that's time delays court costs mm-hmm. attorney's fees and sometimes it's a little bit of a hassle so so you want to make sure that your assets have a named beneficiary to them it's very important there's a lot of emotional the,
2: stuff going on during that time if you can avoid you know it's be it better, better to try to have that stuff available uh, already figured out one question for you when it comes to um, probate and, and all of those things. if you have a joint account, say i 'm a joint owner with someone else, and one of those owners dies, does it automatically no matter what go to the other part owner of that account and then they make those decisions, or can you have some other instructions somewhere else
0: uh, i 'll take it a step further first, Chris, if you have a joint account with somebody mm-hmm. you own a hundred percent of it, and so do they Oh from day one. So let's suppose you put a hundred dollars in a savings account, and I put ten dollars into that same savings account, and it's joint. I can go to the bank the next day and pull out a hundred and ten bucks. Yes, you can. So can you? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, we're not limited to uh, 50-50 on that. We should have a joint account, Larry. Let's do that. We should have a joint account. <laughs> yep. We'll get Bob to put some money in. How does that sound? <laughs> okay. There you go. So so you know this is this is all part of planning on 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 everything. You know when when again, there's, you know, there's three phases to financial planning. There's the accumulation phase when you're trying to accumulate your assets, and then the distribution phase when you need those assets to deliver to you, you know, income from reliable sources in a tax efficient manner to maintain your standard of living. And then third, when you want to pass your assets on either to heirs or charities, right? And, and you know, you, you really have to take a look at it in depth how this financial plan how a financial plan works from all this um you know in in luke chapter 14 verse 28 it says for which one of you when he wants to build a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost and see if he has enough to complete it and that talks about you know all facets of financial planning. So I say, hey, we have to uh, take a quick break here. So give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions. What's bothering you today about the markets, the economy? Do you have questions on interest rates? Where do you see the housing market going? What's going on with your 401k plans? Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. you listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
1: Remember those
3: kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw in the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner, Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. Now nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal
2: Show. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and call at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry.
0: Go ahead, Larry. Sure, let's welcome Joseph on the line. Good morning, Joseph. How are you today?
4: Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm well. How can I help you, sir?
4: Uh, I want to make some investment, but I don't know what, like, I don't have, like, big money, but I want to, like, make some investment to get, like, you know, just little money for my family savings.
0: So just starting out, one of the things that we'll do then, Joseph, is we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit. There's no cost for it, and it'll sort of break down with where you should be starting. It'll it'll gather your assets, liabilities, your cash flow, your debts, things like that. That'll give you the basics on on building out a financial investment plan for yourself. Then that will tell us how much money we need to have in the bank for yourself. It will also tell us how much money you need to start saving to accomplish these goals. So that's what we'd be happy to send out that for you, okay? Before I, before okay. anybody can recommend to you where you should or shouldn't invest, we should get a good assessment on, on all of that information, and then we'll be able to look at the cash flow and the proper investments for your goals and your time frame and your risk, okay? Okay. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold here, and we'll we'll send that out to you, no problem at all. Uh, Go ahead and give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Lisa on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Lisa. How are you today?
4: I am okay, thank you. And you?
0: I'm well. How can I help you?
4: Um, I had two um, quick um, questions. Um, If um, we helped um, our mother set up a trust um, a few Years ago, and she had some real estate and stocks and all that um, kind of thing. And if one of her properties are not in the trust, will that end up in probate and everything? Not in that's in it won't end up in probate, or
0: everything else end up in probate? So the if, if the one property doesn't have a means to transfer to someone else or a charity, then yes, that will go through the probate process, even if it's in the will, even if that property is named in the will, because <laughs> things that are named in the will have to go through to, uh, the, the process to whether the will is deemed valid or invalid. So you can just simply put that into the trust, uh, and then that will avoid the probate for you.
4: Okay. the The reason it wasn't is when it got surveyed to go in the trust, um, there were some prop pretty line ish shoes, and we found out her neighbor was in on her property and all this other stuff happens. So we are working on that. Um, Thank you. Um, One other thing. Um, I've heard of insurance trust. Can you explain what that is, how it works, and who should utilize it?
0: Sure. An insurance trust, uh, the one that comes to my mind here, is called an ILIT trust. It's an irrevocable life insurance trust. And that is when you would want to buy a life insurance policy and put it into an irrevocable trust. And the reason why is when you own an asset, even a life insurance policy, let's suppose you have a $500,000 life insurance policy. That $500,000 upon someone's death goes to the beneficiary tax-free, income tax-free, but that $500,000 is includable in the owner's gross taxable estate for estate tax purposes. So what a lot of people will do is they'll say, you know what, I want to have the insurance protection to deliver tax-free money to my heirs or charities. But at the same time, I don't want that ownership to be calculated against my gross taxable estate. So they'll put it into an islet trust. It's an irrevocable life insurance trust. The good news today is that with the estate tax levels, the uh, for a single individual, the exclusion is a little over $11 million. So you don't have to start worrying about that until you get over over $11 million. However, okay. the challenge is... That as time goes on, probably over the next twenty or thirty years, as Congress does, they will take that the state tax rule and they'll bat it back and forth. They'll raise it, they'll lower it, they'll raise it, they'll lower it. It's always happening, but that's pretty much what an insurance trust uh, uh, looks like there, Lisa. If you want, we'll be happy to send you out some information on that. One other quick: you
4: funded with a fully paid. Whole life
0: policy, correct? The 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 policy is actually owned by the trust, and the beneficiary is the trust itself. And then the language of the trust talks about who gets it, who gets the proceeds, when, and how, and all that stuff. But you fund it by making a a uh, uh, a gift to the trust each year. So in other words, you will put money into that trust yet. each year, and then you have to send out. Um, uh, what's called crummy letters to the trust or or to the re- ultimate recipients of the trust or the beneficiaries. And they have to allow, they, they have a 30-day right basically to say, no, you're not going to put the money in there this year. I want it direct now. Um, but But that usually doesn't happen too much. So, so I, uh, okay. I'll be happy to, to – let me put you on hold. I've got some other Please. callers here, and yep. I will send you out some information on that. Absolutely. Please Appreciate Thank it. you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. you listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Margaret on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Margaret. How are you today?
4: Fine. My question is, I have two homes and an automobile, and I was wondering – My daughter is not on either one of them, and they both—all of it—is paid for. She's going through a divorce, and I was wondering, how do I protect her? By get—how can I give these properties to her?
0: Well, do you want to give these properties to her when when you pass one day or now?
4: Uh, One day, and I would like for her to be on it now, but I can't see myself giving it to her now, putting her on any of my properties because of the situation.
0: Understood. So, so this, this, the, the answer here is going to get a little bit long, so, so stay with me here real quick. So if, if you were to, uh, let's take property number one. Let's just do some simple math. Let's assume you bought it for $300,000 and today it's worth $500,000, just as an example, and it's in your name only. And now you add your daughter's name to it. For, forget about the divorce situation for a second. Let's suppose that goes through, and, and now you add your daughter's name to it. And then something happens to you, and then now she has the house, which is what your goal was, right? Right. She's going to assume your cost basis of $300,000. So if she turns around and sells it, she could be liable for taxes on that $200,000 gain. On the other hand, if you take this same house, same example, you bought it at 300, it's worth 500,000 now, and you simply make it a TOD so it says it says Margaret Margaret's home TOD transfer on death Margaret's daughter. That makes her a legal beneficiary to this. So now if something happens to you and she receives the house as a beneficiary at that time, she gets what's called a stepped-up in the basis. In other words, she receives the house valued at 500 She can sell it the next day if she wants to and not have to pay the tax on the growth between 300 and 500 She receives what's called a stepped-up in basis. Or you can put the house into a trust. But by putting the house in her name, it could, I don't know the values of everything, but it could have an adverse tax effect one day when she receives it. Now, the next question becomes well, hey, I want her to be a joint owner on it in case something happens to you. She can manage the house and things like that. So now you would want to take a look at maybe making her a power of attorney, uh, either general or limited, to function on the house. But there's a couple of ways here that you can go down the road to making sure that she gets the house when you want her to have the house, and you can also align to have bloodline protection. That if she were to get remarried again or something happened there or whatever, that it always stays in your family line. So we need to get some estate planning ideas in front of you to show you what all of your choices are because we want to keep it as tax-efficient as possible but give her control and ownership when you want her to have it. Does that make sense? That
4: sounds great.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. That's, that's what we need to do. So uh, I've got uh, just a few moments left before the end of the show, Margaret. I'm going to put you on hold And um, Josh is going to get some of your information, and we'll get someone to give you a ring next week to get the information out to you that you're requesting, okay? Sounds great. Bye. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold just a moment. So we've got a handful of callers online here. I'll, st- I'll stay in studio when the show is over this morning. We've just got a few minutes left. I've got music in my ear, Chris. We've got a lot of topics we didn't get to today, but that's okay. Your calls are much more important. You can call us during the week at 855-ROSE-123 as well. We have lots of people calling, asking, for a question, asking questions, as well as say, Hey, I heard you talk about this on the radio show, Larry. Send that out to me, please. Go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. You can download some of the subject matter we talked about here today as well as sign up for any of our future seminars that we're having. So for Josh in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.